Hello, and welcome to our At Any Rate Emerging Markets Focus podcast, a place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the emerging market fixed income asset class. I'm Johnny Goulden from the Emerging Market Strategy team here at JP Morgan, and I'm joined by Talas Padilla from our Emerging Market Strategy team also. Talas, thanks for joining. Hi, Johnny. Good to be here. So, Emerging market assets remain overall quite volatile, along with global markets as the process of ongoing financial conditions tightening driven by the U.S. is stressing what looks like more and more places with U.S. Treasury yields actually rising still further at the moment. And against that backdrop, as as we have been, we remain generally defensive uh, towards emerging markets risk. Within this, one of the key vulnerabilities has been around EM debt. Uh, given ongoing high rates, is generally going to put pressure on those parts of the market. We were recently actually in Washington for the semi-annual IMF World Bank meetings, and we were struck by how much of a topic emerging market debt is, and is being highlighted really a lot by global policymakers as a key issue of priority. So we thought it was worth discussing a bit more about that and what the latest issues are around emerging markets debt that are affecting markets. So, Johnny, are these issues around EM debt new or have they been around for a while? Yeah, so these issues around EM debt have actually been very well flagged. We've been talking about them on and off uh, and the vulnerabilities of emerging debt in this kind of rising rates environment for at least a year. And when you look at market pricing, certainly the distressed category in emerging market sovereigns has been growing uh, really all year. And and the ratings have reflected this. We have the largest number of triple C rated sovereigns historically um, from rating agencies. So the focus of this is interesting and it's also somewhat at odds from, you know, global policymakers uh, at odds with the fact that it's not really seen as a systemic issue for global financial markets. We're looking really at maybe a large number of small emerging market countries defaulting rather than larger, more systemic emerging market countries. And why is it that EM debt is getting this focus on the global stage? Yeah, so given it's not seen as systemic, it is a question about why all the focus on it. One explanation um, certainly feels it has a humanitarian angle to it, that the current economic environment is being seen as a second shock after the COVID-19 shock, um, given rising food prices and energy costs. And that disproportionately impacts the world's poor. And during covid there was a lot of focus on debt and debt relief uh, in order to try and um, give some uh, space to some of those poorer countries. And in some ways, the focus on it now has that type of angle to it as well. There's also maybe a geopolitical slant to it. Um, Obviously, China is very prominent now as an EM creditor uh, and has surpassed uh, many Western countries or the IMF in lending to some of the poorest countries. And so the workout of some of these debt issues has taken on somewhat of a geopolitical uh, side to it as well. Johnny, let's not do a deep dive here into specific data regarding EM debt, as we have already talked about this and covered this topic extensively in many of our publications. Let's instead talk about the latest areas of focus which are more relevant to the markets. We have been hearing a lot of discussion recently in the market about the common framework. 
so will you remind us what this is and what it is meant to do? Yeah, so the official sector, IMF, World Bank, G20, had seen the need for more tools to help with EM debt restructurings already back in 2020, given the new reality of EM borrowing and lending to emerging markets. And that new reality is important, and, and academics also will highlight this, is that EM countries have actually borrowed over the last decade or so from a wider range of creditors, in, in addition to private sector bondholders and bank loans, which maybe have been seen more in the past. As I mentioned, China is now the largest lender to low-income EM countries, and that joins government lenders, as well as the IMF World Bank, who have actually lent to countries that might need debt restructuring uh, subsequently as well. And so the G20's common framework was introduced uh, two years ago, really as a mechanism to try and help coordinate the debt restructurings among many creditors in a common framework. So which countries are using this? And has this framework been successful overall? Yeah, so the challenge is that while three countries, and we have Zambia, Ethiopia, and Chad, who have entered into this common framework back in 2020, none has yet to successfully conclude restructuring its debts within the framework and to come out the other end. Uh, this is a point of great focus among both bondholders and the official sector and, and uh, the discussions in, in Washington were very focused on this issue. Um, Zambia, for example, the latest debt restructuring timeline suggests that this could end up getting towards three years as a process. Um, and as well as that, we're only just understanding that the official sector is suggesting quite large MPV uh, loss for the private sector. And so that's likely to, to be questioned as well. Um, Obviously, the common framework itself doesn't impact the legal standing of bondholder claims, uh, and so some negotiation is, is likely to be needed. And this uh, is causing or is part of the reason why these processes seem to be taking some time. Got it, Johnny. So what could be done to improve that? So there's quite a lot of discussion and suggestions for changes in the common framework which could speed the process. Um, it's worth saying there were also discussions about mechanisms that could be used in debt restructurings outside the common framework to ensure that creditors of different types can agree to restructurings without the need for full coordination in that process, which might be more difficult. Uh, but within the common framework, certainly the two-stage process, which is built into its design, which really splits the official sector who really negotiate restructuring um, around the IMF World Bank's debt sustainability analysis, and then in the second stage, go to the private sector and basically present that as a as something that the private sector should sign up to. Um, that is being highlighted by as something which needs some simplification. And, and certainly um, in recent public comments, the, the IMF's managing director has talked about this as well. And if we had that, maybe a single process which brings everyone together, that might speed up the process, enhance coordination, uh, et cetera. And I think if you had that, the uh, one of the other features which is being discussed might follow on. So if you had some success from that process, then this could bring the possibility that middle-income countries, which are currently actually outside the framework, the framework is for low-income low countries, these middle-income countries might also use it to help coordinate 
as a process their own debt restructurings. And that's something I think the official sector would like to see more of, certainly some of speakers on uh, and thinkers on emerging market debt highlight that some of the beneficial features of that coordination might also be useful uh, for middle-income countries as well. And you've got countries like Sri Lanka and Pakistan, which currently don't qualify for the, the common framework um, and are trying to sort of discuss debt issues outside the common framework. If you had a, a more simplified and maybe a faster moving process, um, which had some successes, then perhaps you could suggest it as a, a wider framework as well. Tony, now marginally switching topics a bit, what about EM local currency debt? Is the fact that we have seen large growth in this market and also an increased foreign participation an issue in debt restructurings? Yeah, definitely that is an issue. It's one of these uh, uh, issues around the fact that EM borrowing has actually evolved and changed over time. So we've had a lot of growth in local market uh, borrowing over the last couple of decades. In some ways, that's been a real boon to emerging markets. So it's reduced some of the financial stability risks of excessive, for of excessive foreign currency borrowing. Um, and it's something we maybe should dig into a bit more. But as that domestic debt stock has risen a lot, you can't ignore it anymore in these discussions of debt sustainability in emerging markets. And that's because also as policy rates are rising in emerging markets as they are globally at the moment, the interest burdens of general government are now often dominated by this local currency debt. Uh, it's got far, far higher interest rates than, than hard currency as well. So even if you are looking at external debt restructuring, it's possible that your domestic debt stock and its high interest burden actually doesn't allow you to achieve those debt restructuring goals that you need to, and you may need to deal with your domestic debt. Now, that has some issues involved in it. Um, any large haircuts could start to affect local banking systems because they're typically a major holder of that local currency debt. Um, and that could lead them to be undercapitalized or raise confidence in them um, and could undo the benefit of those. So those local restructuring questions uh, are need some thought, uh, but it's certainly coming up more. Is this already showing up as a driver of EM markets? Yeah, so uh, at the moment, actually, what's been interesting, certainly the last couple of weeks in markets, this issue of local currency debt uh, and you know potentially the need for some reprofiling or restructuring around it has been uh, driving markets as well. It's certainly a live topic in the Zambia discussions, um, in, in Sri Lanka, uh, in Pakistan and actually in Ghana, you've seen quite a lot of stress as um, officials have mentioned the idea of, of local debt uh, being something that, that needs to be discussed as well. It, it's a bit early to say how all of these cases will evolve, whether voluntary mechanisms will be employed on that. And it could well be that each country has a different approach. So it really depends on what the debt stock looks like and what the, the issue is. Um, but it's fair to say that, that you know, we may establish some precedents here about how these local bonds get dealt with, uh, which other countries might look to. So having spoken about all of that, Tullis, let's try and deal with this question about systemic 
issue in EM debt. And by that, really, what I mean is, is EM debt stress likely to be a consequence of what's happening globally in financial markets? Or is it likely to be a cause of global financial market stress? And this means to some extent we need to focus. I've been talking a lot about some of these smaller uh, frontier countries, but really the systemic question comes to the question of these large EM countries and their debt, because the smaller ones are unlikely to cause a systemic problem. So do these countries have large debt problems and which ones are, are most likely to be in focus of the large EM? So Johnny, most of these large EM countries have also been accumulating debt over the last years and even decades, uh, and currently have general government debt as share of GDP at levels that are significantly higher than historical standards. For many of these major emerging economies, in fact, these debt levels are now at or very close to all-time highs. Within this topic, looking at external government debt also helps us to identify which countries could come under fiscal pressure in case the market starts to focus on the debt burdens of these major EM countries. Looking at a combination of general government debt and government external debt, both as share of GDP, three countries stand out uh, as having significantly higher levels than other major emerging economies. These are Colombia, South Africa, and Hungary. As international financial conditions continue to tighten over the next months, uh, and even the safer pockets of EM fixed income become under pressure, these countries likely will see more focused on their debt vulnerabilities. So Johnny, all in all, uh, does this look like a systemic issue for global markets? No, I didn't think so. I think that EM debt is likely to remain an asset class issue rather than one that is systemic for global financial markets. That doesn't mean that uh, the world is not interested in it for the reasons that I've highlighted previously, but I think for financial markets, um, this is likely to be confined to the smaller EM countries, which we may see many uh, defaults in, rather than the larger ones, which are typically more economically impactful globally and have greater financial links to developed markets with banks and corporates, which would make it systemic. So while there are some larger EM countries that you highlighted, which do have higher government debt and external debt than others, I think by and large, government external debt of large EM countries is still small. And that will limit the impact on government finances of and of possible balance of payment shocks and, and FX moves. So that likely means that we're talking about maybe some focus on it, but probably the major ones will not spill over uh, as being systemic for global financial markets, even if we are going to get a series of uh, smaller country emerging market defaults, which uh, I think seems a reasonable expectation at this point. And that brings us to the end of this JP Morgan at any rate Emerging Markets Focus podcast. Thanks to you, Tullus, for joining today. And thank you all for listening. And we hope to have you back again with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to JP Morgan Research reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 JP Morgan Chase & Company, all rights reserved. This episode was recorded on the 20th of October, 2022.